Amen. Good morning, everybody. Everyone doing well? Good. Three of you are doing well. That's awesome. Woo, it's been a good week. It's been a good week in the Lord. Man, we had a good time with VBS. Uh, my young, I had my, my girls all week long, so Lily, my youngest, was part of VBS. And uh, Sophie was part of VBS, my oldest. She was reading the scriptures each, uh, each day. But I, I want to say thank you again to Becca and crew for doing such a fabulous job. Uh, it's, it's challenging trying to do vacation Bible school virtually. And uh, yet they worked hard to make sure our kids were going to be able to, to uh, have it done right. And, and y'all all did a good job. Becky, even if you kept forgetting to unmute your mic, that actually became part of the fun part of it. Uh, she, she still did a wonderful job. And I'm going to try to figure out how to do adult crafts with all my sermons. And I'm going to put Gina in charge of it because she did such a good job with our kids. Amen. But it's been a good week in the Lord, hasn't it? Amen. Man, I, I, my life was changed this week forever. Do you know that? I had a, I had a personal revo, revolution and revelation. Howard Porteous took me out and we had sushi rolls, riceless sushi rolls, riceless sushi rolls, because I have to watch my carbohydrate intake right now. And I thought, man, I miss sushi, sushi so bad. And Howard said, never fear. I got you some sushi. And uh, I got to partake of sushi, and they were, it was good, even without the rice. I missed the rice, but even without the rice, it, it revolutionized my life. I, the Lord gave me back something that the enemy tried to take away. Amen. Anybody hot? Ooh, it's a little hot out here. Bodie found some shade over there. Tell you what, kind of makes you glad you ain't going to hell, isn't it? Uh, I've got a, I'll tell you what. I, I got a 15-point sermon I'll try to get through as quick as possible. No, I'm teasing. It's not going to be that long, I promise. But we are going to get into the Word of God. Uh, man, I have enjoyed this time of worship. Uh, I've enjoyed everything about this service. Thank you, Greg, for all those wonderful words, for inspiring us, reminding us about the, the words and the hope and the dreams of not just Martin Luther King Jr., but, but I believe it was, it was inspired words that came straight from the Lord. And I'm believing God to bring healing into our land and to bring justice into our land, and uh, to bring unity and love. Love conquers all. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Uh, we do have faith. We're going to be talking about that. We do have hope, because our hope is in Christ Jesus, and in the gospel, the good news uh, that we have been redeemed, that we can be uh, in, in oneness with God, and in God there is no lack, and God there is no limitation, and God there is no division and divisiveness, and God we are all equal, we're all redeemed, uh, no matter what what our backgrounds are, what our ethnicity is, what our what what our culture is, it doesn't matter. We can all be redeemed because of the blood of Jesus, Amen. And and I believe that as a nation we can begin to move in in, in that direction. And uh, I'm praying for our leaders to hear from God. I'm praying for our communities to come back together. And uh, here before long, who knows, we may just need to call a neighborhood prayer meeting and just come together as a neighborhood and, and just love on each other and pray pray for our, our world and for our nation. Amen. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, they just got through singing about fear, how, how we can overcome fear. Uh, while we are learning about faith, we've got to talk about fear because fear is the opposite of faith. Faith, the Bible says, uh, just to kind of review real quick, if you remember Hebrews uh, 11 and 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you have any hope in your heart today? 
Whatever that is, if you can make it tangible, that is faith. The evidence, it says, is the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes you have to believe in some things that you don't see. You remember, a lot of times we say, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But in faith, and in faith, oh no, she's having problems connecting to the internet. All right, hang on, Alexa, just bear with us. Uh, but with faith, where we usually say, I'll believe it when I see it, faith says you'll see it when you believe it. You have to believe sometimes in some things that you don't see with your eye, but that the word of God claims. In other words, uh, Romans chapter 14 lets us know how we are to have faith, how we are to exercise faith. We're supposed to do it the same way that Abraham did it. The Bible says when he had nothing, nothing to hope for, when God made him a crazy promise, you're 99 years old and you're going to sire a child through your 90-year-old wife, Sarah. He said, I don't have anything to hope for. You know, with my own natural eye, that's not going to happen. But I believe you, God. So when he didn't have anything to hope for, he still hoped in faith. He just chose to believe the word of God. As simple as that is, that's what God is moving us as a church and as a people from just believing in him to believing him. If the word of God says it, then you can be sure he's not going to lie to you. You can trust him. You can take him at his word. And that's why it's important to get into the word and to study the word and to, and to read. It's a book of 7,000 promises. Surely one or two of them are going to apply to you, right? So with faith, if faith is simply just trusting, if we're going to walk by faith, in other words, you get up in the morning, you got one fight to fight, and that's the fight of faith. First Timothy tells us to fight the good fight of faith. You wake up in the morning, you got one fight. Am I going to believe the word of God today, or am I going to believe what my eyes are showing me today? Because sometimes what you see with your eye is not going to match up with the word of God. And it's a battle. Some days is a battle. Throughout the day, you may start out strong in faith. By the end of the day, you may be, it may be everything you can do to, to, to maintain that faith. But there's victory in faith. We learned last week that there's authority and power that comes with faith. You can walk in authority and power as long as you're walking in faith and in the word of God. But today, before we progress in what we're going to look at in faith, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about practical ways that you can walk in faith and what that looks like and how you can move from the natural into the supernatural in your, in your life via the power of the Holy Spirit. But we got to address fear because fear is really the opposite of faith. I'm not talking about fear that, well, I'm afraid of heights. You know, there, there's a, we were built with a, a built-in fight or flight mode that God put in us. And that's, it, it's to protect us and it's to keep us alive. You know, I'm not talking about the fear, like if one of our children ran out in the middle of the street, that, that, that gripping fear and panic that you would, that you would have, that's, that's natural. I'm talking about chronic fear and anxiety and worry and concern where, where you, you try to give things over to God and then all of a sudden you, you just, you, you pick it back up and, and it, and it obsesses you. It confuses you. It, it, uh, makes you make bad decisions. It interferes with, with relationships. It interferes with your finances, interferes with your jobs and your life, but you can be free from that. Because you can't walk in faith and walk in fear at the same time. Either you believe in the word of God or you're not. Faith is believing God. Fear is questioning and doubting. And, other, and, and so really, ultimately, if you think about it, fear is ultimately a form of faith. It's faith in the enemy. And, and that's, one of the, that's one of the problems with, your, with, with the fall of man. They were already made in the image of God, the Bible said. 
And then the serpent came along and said, no, 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 eat of this apple, eat of this fruit, eat of this fruit, because it will make you like God. Well, they were already like God. And the Bible said that they believed. In other words, they doubted what God had already said, and they believed a lie. So, so they operated ultimately in fear. So we're going to get into our first verse. If, if you have scanned, you can, you can um, look on your phone or your tablet, or if you want to go straight to uh, the internet or straight to our website, as Kate said, you can click on the link. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. If you're struggling with fear today, I can promise you it did not come from God. It says, but he has given us a spirit of power. We talked about that last week. You have authority and faith. It's given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and a well-balanced mind. Woo, how many of you need that? You realize our biggest enemy is right up here sometimes. It's all that stinking thinking we do. A well-balanced mind. It's given us a spirit of discipline and self-control. Don't worry, that's just paparazzi trying to see what we're doing down here. <laughs> Well-balanced mind and a discipline and self-control. How many of y'all could use some self-control? Man, do we have self-control? If, if, if you have trust in God and trust in his word, know, and he, you know that he has control of every situation in your life and he's going to take care of you, you don't have to lose control. That's why a lot of people lose control when they get around food. The Lord's delivering me from that. Some people lose control when they get around alcohol. Some people lose control when they get around relationships and people. Uh, they, they can't control them. Why? Because, they, because they're, if, if, if they're living in fear or living in doubt, it, it, there comes an issue. Now, I want to I explain to you why, you're, why you can be so free from fear today. When you realize, when you, man, everybody's after the word of God, aren't they? They just... Uh, when you realize just how powerful of a God you have in your corner and you start dwelling on that, you realize that you have nothing to fear. Uh, it, it reminds me back when I was about eight, nine years old, the neighborhood bully lived right next door to us over, over in Garland, Texas. And I don't know about y'all, but Garland, Texas has a different breed of bullies, Right. Michael's nodding his head. He knows all about that Garland G-Town bullies, right? And and uh, you weren't one of them, were you? Okay, no, Michael wasn't one of them. And, and this bully, this sounds like something out of a cartoon, but I promise you this was his name. He was in seventh grade. My brother was in seventh grade. He knew him. But this guy's name was Bubba Green. <laughs> sounds like a cartoon. Bubba Green. And, uh, you know, now that I'm grown up, I realize he had a really bad household and there was a reason why he was acting out and all that. So he was de probably dealing with a lot of pain himself and probably going through some abuse himself. But nevertheless, eight year old Dave didn't give a rip of what he was going through in his house. All he, all he knew is he was scared to death of bubble green. And, um, somehow or another, he invited me into his backyard. I mean, Bubba green was tough seventh grade and he would brazenly smoke in his front yard and his parents knew it. His parents didn't, they were half drunk. I mean, it was a rough family. And, and I thought, man, that guy smokes and he's in seventh grade. He's mean, you know, to, to eight year old Dave, scared to death of him. Somehow or another, him and his friends invited me into the backyard to play tag football. I thought, okay, well, I loved football. So, okay, great. Now my brother, who was the same age, 
was built like a linebacker, but he was as docile and and just just timid and 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 quiet. And he didn't he and he hardly ever showed emotion. He was like it was like living with Spock, right? He just that was my brother, you know. And he was all he was back on our back porch doing something, you know. But but I'm I'm over playing football, and I'm I get the ball, and I'm running with it, and I'm expecting to get tagged. Well, Bubba Green took the took the opportunity to come and just lay me out. Wham! Seventh grader laying out a third grader. And of course, I was not going to have any of that. And I jumped up and bowed up and charged him. And that was about the time I realized that was probably the dumbest decision of my eight-year-old life. Because he wound up clocking me right in the eye and laying me out and jumped on me and started. And for the first time in my life, that's the earliest time I felt terror and fear because he, he, he literally started pulling, just, just tearing me up a big seventh grader, the meanest guy on the block beating up a little third grader. And I, man, I, I really didn't know what was about to happen. And next thing I heard, apparently my brother hurdled that fence and I have never had never seen my brother that angry in his, in, in my life. My brother let out the most primal scream of anger. It sounded like a Sasquatch giving birth to a fiery great white shark who had just eaten a kraken or something, right? I mean, he just, ah, you remember, you ever watched The Water Boy? And how he just, I mean, it was like that times 20. I mean, it was just, and he was crying. He was so mad. He was crying. That was a weird thing about, he was so mad. And with one hand, he scooped Bubba Green off of me and slammed him into the ground. And, and to this day, I'm not lying. I have... I, w- I went to Garland High School. I saw my share of fights. I have never seen a fight as violent as my brother, 7th grade Thomas Butler, beating up 7th grade Bubba Green in his own backyard in front of all of his friends. And I'm telling you, he put a hurt. I mean, just Bubba Green was crying. His nose was bloody. His lip was busted. He was just, and my brother was just still beating on him to the point we had to pull my brother off him. It was just a rage. And And next thing you know, about an hour later, Bubba Green's dad comes stumbling over and and wants to talk to my dad. Well, my dad was one of the, the nicest, sweetest guys you ever meet, funniest men. I I miss both my dad and my brother. My dad's been gone nine years. My brother passed away seven years ago. And and uh, uh, both of them full of the love of God. My dad was one of the funniest people. But what people didn't realize is my dad survived the jungles of Vietnam. My dad was Army Intelligence. He had to interrogate the enemy. There was a lot of things he had to do that he took to his grave. Some things he shared. And and it, it's not fun stuff. You know, my dad, as as docile as he was, would, would take the battery from a Jeep sometimes. And, you know, if you hook it up to the right parts of a Viet Cong soldier, he'll tell you anything you, you want to know, right? And and so it, it was, uh, my dad's not worried about Billy Bob Green or whoever this was at the door, so... You know, he, he, whatever he did, he put the fear of God in him and, and the family left us alone. All that to say this, my fear was gone. I could ride my bike up and down the street and not have to worry about it because I knew, especially with my brother, I had so much muscle behind me, so much power behind me. I didn't even have to worry about fighting the battle that if anyone from that household messed with me, man, my brother was going to come unglued again and do that crazy war scream or whatever, you know, and turn into the Hulk. And, and yet, you know, now Bubba Green would mouth off every now and then I'd be on my bike 
and he'd call me baby butler what's up baby butler and i would all i had to do was remind him you know all i had to say is what's up my brother's hand upside your head that's what's up you know just and and he'd leave me alone and that's all we have to do with the enemy today is remind him he's already defeated the bible says resist the devil and he'll flee isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 through 12 when I read this, I think of my brother, and this is how our God feels about us. He says, fear not. There is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around in terror and be dismayed. Think about it. There is nothing to fear. God is saying this. He says, don't be afraid. There is nothing to fear. For I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. I love that. He's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to harden you to difficulties. In other words, we're going to go through some difficulties in life. But if they're being permitted into our life, it's to help us evolve. It's to help us grow in faith. It's to help us harden to uh, what, what, what they are, to where every wind is not going to blow us over. Church, we don't have anything to fear today because the word of God is true. If he said it, you can believe it. You can take it to the bank, as they say. So how do I walk in a place where there's no fear here? That's been my phrase for the whole week. No fear here. I'm not going to walk in fear. I believe that God's got everything under control. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have moments of fear, moments of intimidation, moments of that every now and then something's going to come up and your first reaction is going to be anxiety. That's natural. But that's when your spirit rises up and says, okay, wait, wait a minute. God said, God promised, God told me, his word says, whatever it is that applies to your situation. You know, when, when they came out and told me that my, that my niece, when they came out and said that my niece had brain cancer and that said, we give her three months we operated on her, can't do anything. We give her three months, and, and we're going to try to make her as comfortable as possible. And we were all shocked, and, and fear gripped us. I watched my mom stand up and say, that is not what God told me three days ago. Doctor, thank you for everything you've done, but God told me he was going to heal my grandbaby, and I believe God. And man, the biggest prayer meeting broke out. Ten minutes later, she was conscious again. They thought she'd never regained consciousness. She was conscious again and calling out for her family. And she's still alive today. I just talked to her last week. She's turning 30. Because God is faithful to his word. Amen. So how do I walk in that? Philippians chapter 4, verse four uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. says, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. So that's the first thing. Get into a frame of mind to praise him. So let all men and let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your con, your considerateness, and and your forbearing spirit. In other words, start out praising them. Get yourself into a mindset to serve and to bless others. It says the Lord is near; He's coming soon. Now you can put yourself into this phrase: Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in every everything by prayer and petition definite requests with thanksgiving you got to have an attitude of gratitude continue to make your wants known to god and god's peace shall be yours that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through christ and so fearing nothing from god and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is that peace which transcends all understanding 
shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you stay in a mindset of praising him, if you stay in a mindset of being a servant, then you can go to him and not fret or have any anxiety, but you can just give everything over to him. Pray, and it said give def definite requests. Matter of fact, it says share your wants. You have some wants and desires, don't you? It's all right to share them with God and to let him know. He's your parent. There's not a parent here today that doesn't want your child happy and want to, want to bless them. It doesn't mean you give your child every single thing they want. <laughs> you know, you're not, a, you're not a jackpot. But at the same time, if you're a parent, you know how, how much it touches your heart to bless your children. That's what God wants to do with us. He doesn't want us to fret and fear, live in anxiety. You don't have to have chronic anxiety today. You can be free from it, just like we sang about earlier. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. I love this one. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. Does that describe any of you today? Woo, say, man, I'm just wore out. I am tired. I've been dealing with stuff. He said, well, good. Come to me if you're overburdened. And I will cause you to rest. I like it. He's just not going to, you're not going to have the opportunity to rest. He's going to cause you to rest. When you come to the Lord, he, that's, that's part of the prerequisite. No, you're going to rest. You come to me, you're going to rest. I'm going to cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. The word for soul is suke. It means mind, psyche, that which, that which pertains to the mind. He's going to ease and relieve and refresh your mind. Man, some of us, some of our thoughts could be refreshed. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and, rec and recreation. Someone say, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quietness for your souls, for your mind again. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. God is not some, some kind of taskmaster today. He's not religious. He's love. The Bible says God is love. His burden is light. If you're here and you're working for the Lord today and you're wearing yourself out working, oh man, I'm just, I'm wearing myself out working for the Lord. Well, you're not carrying the Lord's burden. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. If you feel weighed down today, whose burden and whose yoke are you carrying? Because it's not his. I'm talking about... Bring your, bring your stuff to the Lord. Bring your fears to the Lord. He'll take it from you and he'll give you something lighter. Lastly, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. Think about this. God doesn't have a problem with you being exalted. He just doesn't want you exalting yourself. He'll exalt you. But he exalts you when you're in this state of humbling yourself. So by the time you do get exalted, matter of fact, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So if I'm going up, you're going up with me, he said. But when he exalts you, you're already in a state of humbleness. So you realize that your exaltation has nothing to do with you, but it's all about him. Then he says, casting the whole of your care Think about it. casting the whole of your care. If you're going to cast it, we're going to cast something into the lake. That means we're going to chunk it way out there, right? If you're going to go fishing, you're going to, you're going to zip that line way out there. You're going to cast it. Cast all of your cares, the whole of your cares. That means all your anxieties, all your worries, 
all your concerns, I love this, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. I love it. That's what it means to cast all of your cares on him. It means to cast them all, all of them, gather them all together, the whole lot of them. Throw it on the Lord once and for all. In other words, you give it to him and you leave it alone. This is our problem. We'll hear a message like today and we'll say, "Woo, thank you, God. I'm, I'm going to cast my cares on you. And then we're going to go home. We're going to have a great day. And then we're going to go to sleep. And then we're going to wake up in the morning and we're going to pick the cares right back up and carry them. You know, when you leave stuff at the foot of the cross, it's supposed to stay at the foot of the cross. Amen. So today I want to encourage you, if you've got anxieties, you've got fears, you can't walk in faith and fear at the same time. You can't believe the word of God and doubt it at the same time. And God is calling us to walk in faith, to move from being believers in God to believing God. It's going to require us to let go of fear, let go of worry. Let go of concern. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be attentive to the issues in your life, but they're not going to have control over you. You're still going to be able to, just because you're right in the middle of the mess doesn't mean that uh, you can't be free from the mess. You know, my mom technically in an earthly manner passed away from leukemia. One day I was irritated at God. I said, I thought you were going to deliver her from leukemia. You said, you'll deliver us from our diseases. And he said, I did deliver her from leukemia. So what are you talking about? He said, leukemia never had her. She may have had leukemia. It never had her. She was a powerful woman of God until the day she died. She was in the hospital. Nurses were coming to her to have her lay hands on them and pray for them. And here she is laying in bed having treatments for leukemia. She led three nurses to the Lord during the nine months that she was in the hospital, you know, the, the last day that she was alive, she was feeling actually pretty good. The Lord gave her a good day. She prayed and counseled with these nurses and these doctors and shared the gospel with them up until the day she died. Leukemia, she may have had leukemia, but leukemia never had her. He did deliver. So you may go through some things in life and some of it may be terrifying to most people, but like the Bible said that if you'll just give everything over to him, the peace that passes all understanding is going to garrison and mount guard over your heart, protect your heart. You can have some troubles, but the troubles don't have to have you. That's what walking in faith is about. Faith doesn't guarantee that you're not going to go through hard times. Faith just guarantees that the hard times ain't going to go through you. Amen? Let's all stand. We're going we're to pray, be dismissed. If there's anyone here, uh, as we bow our heads, if there's anyone here that is struggling maybe with some anxieties and fears and worries today. I just want to speak a prayer over you. Raise your hand if that applies to you today. Amen. Thank you. Let's all pray together. Father, I thank you so much for faith in your word that we can believe your word and trust it, that it's true. Father, I claim that we this is a church with no fear. There is no fear here. That no matter what we face in life, we know you're going to walk through the fire with us. You're going to be on our victorious mountaintops, and you're going to be in the valleys. But regardless, we're going to keep walking because our faith in you. Lord, those who are dealing with anxieties, fears, concerns, I speak deliverance over their life in Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of fear because fear is a spirit. And I loose the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind over each and every life, each and every household 
Father, we, uh, we, we confidently walk forward into this week believing your word and leaving anxiety and fear. We're casting it on you once and for all. And we're not going to pick it up from this day forward. Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't, that has never asked Christ to be Lord of their life, I pray that your spirit begins to convict them, begins to lure them closer, let them feel your love. If there's anyone that needs healing, we speak healing into their life, into their bodies, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. If there's a need that needs to be met, you said that you would supply our needs according to your riches and glory. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Amen.